This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show. This is part two of the Q&A series that I'm doing. So every day I go on to Instagram Live and people ask me questions and I answer them and I tell some stories around them. And once again, and, and every day I have with me my beautiful and stunning co-host, Robin Altucher, my wife. And so today's topics were how, you know, how do I have focus during the day? How do you find your passion? Interesting ways that companies are pivoting right now. And I also talk about astral projection, the four U's of copywriting, and why I married Robin just 62 days after our first date. Uh, so, and again, tomorrow's or the next episode of this Q&A series, I'll talk about different business ideas, uh, my 10 ideas that got me a meeting with Disney last week, and what, if anything, I've learned from Robin, in addition to all the questions that people will ask me on my Instagram live tomorrow. So I hope you enjoy this. If you have feedback, you could tweet me questions at Jay Altucher uh, on Twitter or at R Altucher for Robin. And you could send me email at Altucher gmail.com. All questions are welcome. And I will answer them on this podcast, on the Instagram lives. And I hope you enjoy this. Give us feedback. Thanks. How's things going? Who, let me ask you this. And I'll ask this throughout. Uh, there's a lot of things to cover today, but who among you are back at work? Who is, uh, you know, all 50 states have opened now to some extent. I'm just curious. Hi, Lisa. How are you doing? Brock or Richard? How are you doing? Uh, who's back at work? Do some hearts if you're, if you're back at work or if you're in some quasi back to work. Like if you're working from home or whatever, or if you're waiting to open back up. Because uh, I think right now, all 50 states are either open or partially open. I don't even know if New York State is partially open, but I think it, I think some things are open. I don't know. Yeah, uh, Chad, you're right. I've been working from home, and I've been doing all my podcasts remote, and I had to cancel seven different trips, and I am so happy. Think of like one trip. Why? Hello, Robin. Hello. Welcome. Sit down with us. Join the IG Live. Robin, IG Live. IG Live, Robin. I was just saying, I've had to cancel, we've had to cancel seven different trips. Some were for comedy, some were for business. All of them for either comedy or for business. Each trip takes, I like to be to the airport at least two hours early. So each trip takes three hours of transportation before you, the plane takes off. Then another hour of getting to your location or more. And the trip itself is like, let's say five hours on average. So that's nine hours, both directions. So that's almost a full day. It's eight, every trip is at least 18 hours of travel time and at least a thousand or two thousand dollars of expenses, no matter how we do it, plus hotel or Airbnb or whatever. So seven trips we've saved in man hours because 18 hours for me, 18 hours for you, plus a few thousand dollars. Seven trips we've saved um, about 240 hours of time. So that's 10 
Imagine that, you know, if you work eight hours a day, that's 30 days of extra work we were able to do or extra fun leisure time we were able to have because we canceled these seven trips and we've saved like tens of thousands of dollars. So I'm hoping if I were just thinking about us or me personally, I hope that the lockdown lasts forever. But just yes, just today, we got a message from our friend Eric Adams, the Brooklyn Borough President. They were uh, there was a line at a ch- local church, thirty five hundred people for food. Yeah, right. In Queens in Queens. Yeah, man, it's horrible what's happening right now. And I think something like that. I think a lot of people. Everyone says, "Oh, well, didn't they get unemployment?" A lot of people just simply do not get unemployment. You only get unemployment if you're either unemployed or you're a part-time worker or you're self-employed. But yeah. the definition of unemployed means you were fired from a job. So some people just simply, they have a weird, you know, kind of, you know, various sources of revenue. They're not strictly unemployed and they don't have no way to document all of this. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people who should be qualified for these things simply did not get unemployment. Point is, there's been a lot of uh, uh, suffering out there and not all the money that's been intended to get into the economy has gotten in. I do think for reasons I described the other day that the stock market is going to go up mostly because the big companies that are on the stock market have survived, but the smaller mom and pop companies that didn't get any help have got out of business. So I use as an example, Starbucks which is two blocks away, they're going to survive. But the three cafes that are in between this spot where where we're sitting right now and Starbucks, those three cafes are out of business. And so Starbucks gets more market share. So the economy slips, but the bigger companies go up. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's fair, but that's why the stock market has been going up. There's a split right now between the stock market and the economy. So people who, if you go, like if you go to a cocktail party, uh, Victoria, you're, or, uh, Vincent, you're on. I see you. Um, if you go to a cocktail party and someone is acting all snotty and saying, well, the U S is going to be number two because of hyperinflation, like the U S is no longer the best. They're wrong. They don't know what they're talking about right now. The issue is deflation, not hyperinflation. And if they say, oh, well, the stock market, blah, blah, blah. They're also wrong because the stock market, you're not buying, when you buy a company, a stock, you're buying shares of that company. There's no way to buy shares of the U.S. economy. They're different things. And right now, at least for the next year, there's going to be some split between the U.S. economy and the stock market. So that's the econ lesson of the day. Internet gambling is about to blow up. I totally agree with you, actually. So I think, um, I think everything that was a vice that was eventually going to be illegal. I mean, that was eventually going to be made legal. All the vices are going to be made legal now instead of 10 years. So, uh, Jack, it's a good question. I'll answer that in a second. And, uh, Jay, note that one down. So, so what are some things that are illegal now? Marijuana is, is illegal federally and it's only recreationally legal in a few states. So the problem that marijuana has had is that not only have been People have not been able to enjoy it or whatever in their lives, if that's their thing. But because it's been illegal, scientists couldn't test uh, pharmaceutical uses for marijuana. 
So there's pharmaceutical uses, what, in helping with pain management and chemotherapy? Yeah. For kids, uh, for, um, yeah, a lot of things. Because it helps with anxiety, it helps with sleep. Uh, I'm not saying marijuana is good or bad. I'm just saying, at the very least, people are trying to test it, but it's been epilepsy. historically illegal. Epilepsy, right? Yeah. I, and, I, and now that we talked to, yesterday, if you're on the IG Live yesterday, we talked to the founder of, we talked to Bryce McCoskey, the founder of Tom's, and he was funding research into, uh, you know, mushrooms and LSD. By the way, that was a fascinating IG Live. It, it's it's uh, stored on IGTV and it's stored on YouTube. You can check it out. But it was, uh, Blake is the founder of Tom Shoes, which I don't know if you know them. Whenever you buy a shoe, they donate a shoe. And now he has another company called Made For. Actually, yeah. can you pick up those shoes there? So I bought a Tom shoe. And here's the thing. This does. This kind of looks like a shitty shoe to me. It doesn't feel like Nike. You have like, light. you know, yeah, it's very like Nike, though. You have all these things that help you. Nike gives you like superpowers. Like you could jump. You could be like Michael Jordan. Yeah, you could jump higher. But Nike's not healthy for you. Why? Because it pads your your feet too yeah. much and it creates problems with your knees. This like, is this that's what created. Is this too padded? I kind of like how this looks. Yeah, no, but you, you won't. Yeah, that's so fine. So here's the thing: they sell this for sixty bucks. They make this for about four dollars, and and this is my my theory. Like this is why I was asking. So so Blake was talking about how. He started Tom Shoes. He didn't know anything about shoes. He didn't know. He only had $5,000 in the bank. Like Phil Knight, if you if you read Phil Knight's story about how he started Nike, that guy was obsessed with sneakers and design and sneaker design and the capability of sneakers. But it doesn't matter. Here's what matters. Tom, uh, Blake, when he started Tom's, he had a story. The story was there are that 1.5 billion kids a year get some kind of infection on their feet from the soil they walk on because they don't have shoes. Mm. So if for every shoe you buy, Tom's gives a shoe. So he has a story for everything you do, whether it's a store or it's a product you're selling or it's a book you're writing or it's an article or it's a tweet or it's a podcast, you have to tell a story. People, but so I talked about this experiment before, but I'll, I'll remind you, just in case you forgot, these guys, these scientists did an experiment. They bought a bunch of knives in from some Chinese factory. They put it for sale on eBay and they sold them for like a dollar each. I'm, I'm making up the numbers. I forget, but let's just say it was a dollar each. Then, then they put up the knives again and they told a story for each knife. This knife came from this city in China. It's used to make this kind of, uh, you know, bat sandwich or whatever. They told a story for each knife and uh, they, the knives sold for like $5 each. So telling a story on the exact same product, it adds to the price like 5X. People love stories. And, uh, uh, you know, have, have you ever followed Casey Neistat? I know our kids have. Yeah. So, so Casey Neistat is this YouTuber and... Uh, you know, maybe a million people a day watch Casey's videos on YouTube. He's a, an excellent YouTuber. And I was talking to him. What's the secret of making a good YouTube video? And he said he makes sure every 1 24th of a second moves the story forward. 
So he edits each video, edits and edits and cuts and cuts and cuts. And he makes sure every 124th of a second, faster than the eye can blink, moves the story forward. Kurt Vonnegut, when he says what, when, he, when he's asked what makes a good novel, he says every sentence has to move the story forward. What makes a good commercial? Every 24th of a second has to move the story forward. Why did I buy this shoe? It's because they told a great story. And by the way, on this show, shoe is logos. Thor, Hulk, Marvel Comics, like Thor. So these are all Iron Man. These are all stories that I love. And so I wanted to buy a shoe with all my favorite stories represented on the shoe. So, and these stories are classic stories like call to action, problems, meet friends like the Avengers, bigger and bigger problems. Thanos destroys half the universe, kill Thanos, who actually was an environmentalist at heart and come back and tell the story. So that's why I got this for $60 instead of $6. I was willing to pay the money and I don't even know if they're still donating to charity. One thing we didn't talk about with Blake is that Tom's went bankrupt in December, but he's no longer uh, involved. So uh, there was no point in talking about that. Uh, so he was a he was a good guy. Um, let me see. I'm going to see if Jay has sent the link. Um, okay. Uh, Robin, how about I ask you this question first? Uh -oh. How do you focus when you need to focus on something? Because sometimes you get really focused. Like when you're when you're engaging in the war against all the Chinese trolls on Twitter, like the people that are hired uh, to, they're paid 50 cents a tweet by the Chinese government to harass and confuse the people on Twitter and you go after them. I mean, I look down the list, look down the, go on Twitter, follow her first, but go on Twitter and just click on who she follows. You would think she is like a, a, deep undercover CIA agent or some other agency that you maybe never even heard of. And in fact, you might be, I know, I know all your relatives are, you might be too, for all I know. And you're just not allowed to tell me. And maybe they even told you, uh, Hey, meet an American hedge fund manager. Right. We think this guy, we, they didn't realize I, I consistently lose all of my money and, and get depressed. But marry this guy and get all the secrets and get in with the American government and then report back to China and you can take off your, co your, your white costume. And, uh, so how do I do it? No, I, I think it's cause I like it and it gives me some purpose. Yeah. Like so when you have purpose and, and you enjoy something, I think you focus. Same yeah. with the kids are like that too. They, they, they focus on what they like. Yeah. I think, so that's a, that's a good, a good answer. So mm -hmm. the way I'm able to focus, for instance, let's say I had a podcast with somebody I wasn't interested in, then I wouldn't give a shit. Like mm -hmm. with Tom, I mean, with, I call him Tom with Blake from Tom's <laughs> shoes. Uh, I was very interested. How do you start? I want to start a shoe company with no money. Like, how do you do it? And, mm -hmm. and what, what are the steps for finding your purpose? If he's got a box for that, I wanted to find out. He, by the way, he didn't reveal that part, but. You know, I always ask questions down every angle. And then I always make sure if someone, people always criticize me for interrupting too much in the podcast, but I know I'm never going to talk to most of these people ever again. So I always make sure if, if, if Richard Branson says some, and this has happened, if Richard Branson says, 
And then I went to Boeing and they let me an airline, uh, an airplane. And then I went to Heathrow and they gave me a landing. And I'm like, if I don't interrupt him, he's just going to keep talking and I'm never going to speak to him again. So I have to interrupt him. Richard, Richard Branson, you are a 27 year old hippie, druggy music magazine publisher. Why would Boeing Airlines or, you know, Boeing Airplanes, why would they lend you a 747 airplane? It doesn't make any sense. And when something doesn't make any sense, despite all of our years of experience and knowledge and everything, if somebody says something that doesn't make any sense to me, but he's somebody that I admire and respect, I want to know, I want to know how it makes sense. Else my listeners lose because you're probably thinking the same question I'm thinking like, I'm 20, you could say to yourself, I'm 27 years old, Boeing won't lend me a plane. How did he do it? So like they say, where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah, well, but there's a, where there's a will, there's a way. But also he had his idea muscle Mm -hmm. very strong. He wasn't, I'm sure he wasn't writing 10 ideas a day down in a waiter's pad, but he used some other technique. And when he described how Boeing, why Boeing would lend him the plane, it was pretty genius on his part. He basically convinced them that they had no other choice right. if they were going to survive than than lend this 27-year-old kid a plane. But he and believed in it. He believed in it, yes. That's the whole thing, too. You have to believe in it. Right. You have to, in yourself. It's the same thing yeah. with what you were saying before. If you're passionate about something. So he was passionate about why England. England had one airline, British Airways. Mm-hmm. And Richard Branson became passionate that he could do an airline that was more comfortable, better service, cheaper. The planes would be on time. And he had a vision that England was didn't need didn't need a monopoly in the airline business. British Airways had a monopoly. They were the only airline coming out of Heathrow. So he says to Boeing, he says, listen, lend me a plane for a year. And the reason you have to do this is because you can't control pricing with British Airways. British Airways is a monopoly. If you let's make British Airways nervous so Boeing, you could have more control over pricing. It could be a little bit more competitive with British Airways. So British Airways is like, huh, 27 year old potential loser, or we take no risk. We give him a plane for a year. He returns it to us in a year if it doesn't work out, or we finally have a competitor to British Airways and we have more planes to sell and better pricing pressure and so on. Genius. So, uh, and for me, how do I focus? It's the same way Robin just said, I can only focus on things that I'm interested in. So when I, I, and this goes all the way back to junior high school, like, or, or school, I was the worst student. I had bad grades. Uh, even when I graduated, I was at best a C plus B minus grade point average. Like all five of our kids have like 4.3 grade point yeah. averages. <laughs> this somehow or other, not only has there been monetary inflation, but there's been grade point average inflation. (laughs) How do you have better than perfect score as your average GPA? So they have like a, like, like our daughters all have like 4.0 GPAs or more. I had a 2.6 GPA when I graduated high school. And the reason is, is who can stay focused going from biology class, calculus, history, uh, English literature, English literature. I love reading English literature is the worst class in the world for people who love reading. So, yeah. hey, uh, Marty from, or Manny, some name from Barcelona, how are you doing? <laughs> um, 
English literature, do you, when's the last time you needed to quote the Canterbury Tales or Beowulf? Even Shakespeare, I get it. People say, oh, every story imaginable has been written by Shakespeare. You should read Shakespeare. No, it's written in this 1580s language. Mm. What am I going to do with, have you read any Shakespeare? Can you remember yeah, any no, Shakespeare? I can't remember it, but I had to, yeah. Okay, where does the line to Don't be or not to be. be come from? Where does it... That's the only line I can think of from Shakespeare. To be or not to be, where does it come from? From one of his plays. Yes, from one of his plays. <laughs> Hamlet. That's the only... But that's the... I, I cheated because that's the only question I would know about Shakespeare. And then history. Nobody remembers their history class. Here's a question. Here, here's a... Uh, oh. Someone says, do I still do the 10 ideas a day thing? Yes. Every single day. I do not stop. I, I have not stopped doing my... Here's an example. Uh, was it yesterday or two days ago? Two days ago, I wrote... Yeah, it was two days ago. I wrote 10 ideas for... And this is actually a, a business idea. I wrote 10 ideas about a business I think would be great for... Uh, uh, online learning. And I wrote all, I wrote actually 20 ideas. I wrote 20 features that I would want this piece of software to have. And I thought it was interesting enough. I called a friend of mine who was a programmer. And so now we're, I'm starting that idea and I'm going to, we'll see if he finishes it. Well, I'll either have a new business or not, but I write 10 ideas every single day. Today, I started writing more about um, uh, book chapters I could write for my, my next book and, and so on. So, so nonstop every, you know, I mentioned last week, I mentioned last week, um, 10 ideas I wrote for, of, of TV shows that would cater to nine-year-olds. And I sent the idea to Disney and Disney, they wrote, I sent it cold. They wrote back right away and they said, can we meet? And we actually had a meeting on Zoom where I was able to, not only did I pitch my ideas, but they told me all this stuff that they haven't even announced to the public yet about the types of TV shows that Disney Plus is going to pivot to. And it was just fascinating. I got to see under the hood of what the largest entertainment company in the world, what they're focused on simply because I wrote 10 ideas for TV shows that they might like, and I sent it to them. So it really is like uh, a superpower. Once, if you write 10 ideas a day down for three months, two months, six weeks, you're going to feel like your brain is rewired. You're going to be much more creative. If you need ideas, you're going to come up with ideas. It works all the time. So it's, it's amazing how many benefits to my life, this has had. But I want to I want to mention about focus. A couple of things. So it's very important to only focus on things you're passionate about. If you're not interested in accounting, don't focus on accounting. Like maybe you do it for a living. Don't put all your energy just for a paycheck. Paycheck, you know, it buys you food and some comforts, but you really want the bulk of your time to be spent doing things you're passionate about. So if you're saying to yourself right now, oh gosh, he's saying that, but I've been working at this job. I'm not passionate about it. I kind of want to change. It's okay. It takes, sometimes it takes time to find out what your passions are, to switch careers.
but you can always do it. I've switched careers 15 different times. Sometimes it's taking years. Sometimes it's a little more quick. But if you always put your, your, there's a certain period of the day where it's easier to focus than other times. And for each person, it's different, but it's usually the morning. Put that time and put that energy into focusing on the things you're passionate about. Then with the extra time during the day, do your job, make your business calls, have business meetings, whatever, but only put your energy into the things you're passionate about. So as an example, I didn't, I never was interested in school. So when I was a kid, I don't even know if I told you this. When I was a kid, I was, here's, I had one passion when I was in eighth grade and, um, I wanted to see a girl naked. <laughs> that was my only passion. And I had braces, the kind of braces that were like train tracks with like, uh, I'll, I'll tell you the 10 Disney ideas in a second. I had the kind of braces that were like these met, metal train tracks with rubber bands and they would tighten them up like a crank. Every, so painful. Like you buy a, yeah. bite a tuna fish sandwich afterwards and you scream in pain. Mm -hmm. Then I had acne and cysts all over my face. Like girls would like talk like this and like, oh, just look at him. Yeah. And uh, my hair was like all tangled practically in dreads. I had glasses that were huge. For some reason, my parents got me glasses that were half the size of my face. I was growing awkwardly. So my head was like uh, the size of my torso. Like my head was the first part of my body to grow in puberty. So I had this huge head versus like a tiny body. And, uh, and so and when we learned square dancing for some reason in phys ed and girls dancing with me wouldn't even touch me. They would like socially distance while dancing with me. They would hold their hands up so that they would be pretending to touch me. So I got obsessed. I got obsessed with meditation because I wanted to, I, I read this book that, uh, when I was 12 years old that you could astral project and like this ghostly part of your body can go fly through the universe. And I would go as an invisible ghost to spy on people and maybe see people naked that was and i became obsessed for like a good two or three years with meditation and then i got obsessed with breakdancing and then i got obsessed finally with something worthwhile chess and i just stopped going to school period and just focused on chess and that's it but without those passions i remember chess and i remember meditation and I remember breakdancing, but I don't remember anything from AP chemistry. I don't remember anything from the Canterbury tales. I don't remember anything. Here's a, here's a history question. Um, and, and Tina, I will get to that story. Uh, here's a history question. What happened? You know, George Washington became president of the United States in 1789. What happened between 1776 and 1789? Were we in the war then? The Revolutionary War? What was the United States doing? We never learned that in history class from 1776 to 1789. Hmm. Do you know what we were doing? Was the yeah. war going on that long? It's like the Afghanistan War? I Maybe. I don't even know. So you don't even yeah. really know. There's a lot going on then. Uh, Jim, or uh, did I ever get an Atari? Did you ever have an Atari growing up yes. to play games? Was I had an Atari. Pong? Was that Pong? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, there was Breakout. I remember that. One. Breakout was like uh uh there was bricks of many oh, colors. Yeah, yeah, and boop, yeah. boop, boop. Oh right. You yeah. know who okay, here's a history uh thing. Um who who created the game Breakout? I'll give you five minutes to answer and I'll I'll watch the screen a little. 
who who created the game breakout? Don't Google it. Who created the game breakout? It's a very interesting answer. I had Atari the day after my parents got me an Atari machine, and I loved it. I was playing it, whatever. The day afterwards, uh, uh, I don't understand the question, Keith, but uh, yes, I had an Atari 20... Oh, I love the game Adventure on the Atari 2600. And yes, Swearworks, Steve Jobs, when he was a kid, begged Nolan Bushnell, the founder of Atari, who's a Facebook friend of mine, begged Nolan Bushnell if he could have a job. Nolan Bushnell said, can you make a game? So he made... So he got his friend, Steve Wozniak, who was working at Hewlett Packard to come on over at night. And Steve Wozniak did all the programming. And together, Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, this is the first product they ever made. It was Breakout for Atari. And then they eventually... And then... And then Steve Jobs, I forget the exact numbers. I think Steve Jobs got paid $1,000 and he told Steve Wozniak he'd split it, but he only gave Steve Wozniak like $100. (laughs) So he ripped Steve Wozniak off in their first uh, transaction ever. So, uh, uh, but yeah, uh, focus. If you're just focused on what's in front of you, like schoolwork or whatever, you're never going to make much of yourself in life because the other 100 million kids in school are also just trying to get 4.0 GPAs in schoolwork. So because I was focused on different things, I have a different set of stories, just like you do. I have a different set of stories about my childhood than the average person. So because I focused on things that would make me stand out, I was able to get jobs. I got into schools. I was able to raise money for businesses because I had these extra features like chess or, God forbid, breakdancing. That never helped me raise money. but. (laughs) Uh, and then the question is, we've talked about this before. The key is to find things you're focused on. And I'll give a slightly different answer. You have to try lots of things. Yeah. Like if, if I had just thought to myself, huh, I think I'm going to be focused on chess. That wouldn't have worked. Instead, what happened was, is that I, you know, I didn't even really know the rules. So when I was 17 years old, my high school needed someone to play the worst player on the chess team. And I volunteered. They gave me a book with the rules to begin to, to get me up to speed. I won the game. We went to some other school. I won the game. And I thought, oh, that feels pretty good. And I started getting more books on chess. And then I got obsessed. And I think I must have skipped school almost every day. I played chess all the time. I took chess lessons. And within a year, a little more than a year, I was uh, the New Jersey, I was the highest ranking high school student in New Jersey and one of the highest ranking for my age group in the country. And because that's the benefit of being focused on things that no one else is focused on. So focused on horses. You were focused on horses. She would go to perform in rodeos. Yep. High school rodeo team. Would you have to jump over fences? No, no. That's what I would rope. Oh, you would like lasso a horse? Yeah. No, not a horse. Strangle them? Would you a strangle cow. the horse? A cow. No, I did not rope horses. So if you were it's like... On a horse, roping a cow. So if you were a policewoman on a horse and somebody was running away, would you be able to like yes. stop and you would be yes. able to lasso them and tie them I do them? that with my kids. Oh, yeah, I you used do. to do it. Really? Yeah. And would they like that? Well, they would laugh. Child abuse here. I don't know about this. Just... <laughs> oh, they would. They loved it. How old were they? Sixteen. Like, oh, from when they were little, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. From when they were little, and they would just laugh. They thought that was so funny. If my <laughs> if my mom tried to lasso me, 
first off, my mom has polio, <laughs> so she wouldn't be able to. But if she tried to, it wouldn't work out for her very well. Although, anyway, um, uh, let me see. Let me see if there's more questions. I hope there are. I know there are. Ask Jay questions. He's on there. Um, yeah, because I can't see very well. Uh, should I fly back to New York City from London since things are opening? I don't know. It depends what you're doing in London. Yes. Yeah? Wait. For, wait they're in London? And yeah. they want to fly to New York City? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd say London. Well, New York City is going to probably open. Here's the thing about New York City right now. Um, uh, Keith, I will play you in chess later. I'll go on Twitch on, I've been doing L-I-C-H-E-S-S, lichess.org lately. Uh, even though I helped start ICC, which is the Internet Chess Club. But if you're, if you're in London and you're thinking of coming to New York City because you live here, then yeah, you should come back. Um, because New York City, New York City hasn't opened up, but all of New York City is right outside on the sidewalk right now. The only thing that's closed is the stores. Everyone's right. outside. It's true. I mean, I've been outside in New York more now than before the lockdown because you're just desperate to go outside. So we go to the park and everything. And people are like, you shouldn't be in the park. Oh, really? You shouldn't get vitamin D and boost your immune system and get some exercise and get some sunshine. And what do you think? I'm going to go up to people in the park and in their picnics and spit on them? Like, why? Everybody's like, oh, stay home. No, um, we've been home for for 10 weeks now, over 70 days, yeah. we've been home. Quarantines aren't, quarantine, I said this yesterday or two days ago, the word quarantine comes from the Latin, uh, the Italian quarantina, mm -hmm. which means 40 days. Yeah. So typical quarantines are 40 days. Not, this is a, what is it, a Sarantino or what's 70 days? Uh, yes, yeah, stay active, I agree. So New York City will reopen, unfortunately. And here's the other thing about why are furniture stores closed? What, like, I bought those Tom's shoes. I bought these shoes on the website for Tom's, even though there's a shoe store across the street from me. Do you think that shoe store ever gets so crowded that people would spread coronavirus to each other? I've never seen more than three people in that yeah, shoe store. I know. I know. So the shoe store is like 20,000 square feet, and there's like four people in there at any one time. So Well, it was funny because somebody said that, you know, because the churches aren't opening up or something like that, and so somebody suggested going to like Walmart and having church in Walmart. That's a good all, idea. All the Walmarts were open, but not the churches. So it was kind of funny. Yeah. So Walmart. It doesn't make sense. Walmart uh, or a gun store should have pivoted to yeah. being a church on Sundays. Uh, they, they could have put up a sign. No guns on Sundays, church on Sundays. And they could have charged people. To, they could have charged churches and had like 20 different church services in the gun store. Yeah. You know, a lot of. And a lot of stores, a lot of companies actually changed from that we're doing selling something like clothing or whatever and they switched over to like delivering food yeah so for instance i read about a strip club so women who are strippers this strip club was closed down so they pivoted all the strip you could order delivery of food through this strip club the same way you would do it through seamless and then these strippers would deliver the food and wearing just like hardly anything and they made a lot of money. They and stayed, a mask? Uh, I don't know if they wore masks or not. Oh. But there's a lot, like, for instance, there was one company that was a parking lot company and for malls. Uh -huh. And what they did was they put up a movie screen in the parking lot yeah. and they became a drive-in movie theater. Oh, they funny. were packed. Every spot was packed really? every single night. 
Uh, I mean, you can even do that for, I mean, I'm just, church is, it's on my mind because of this, you know, this uh, post, but like even parking lots or parks, you could hold a service there with a microphone. I don't know. You should do it. I, I don't know how to do that. Yeah. You've been, you've been, okay. When you're, when you're young, so I don't know what the service was like where you were, uh, were people like preachers? Were they loud? No, I was raised a Jehovah's Witness. So you raised a Jehovah's Witness. So don't they have a service? What's yeah, every, yeah. And what does it the priest say? Do they read from the Bible, or yeah, you have to read the from, Bible, and then there there are books. They, but, do they? Yeah, I would not recommend doing that. But do they give like a a kind of like praise the Lord? No, but those are good because it actually brings up people's spirits and it helps you know your mind. And, yeah, schools closed, church closed, gun stores open, yeah. liquor stores open. You People know, have need their hospitals to be- closed, guns open. So it's weird. Yeah, everything's like skewed. Hospitals yeah. not essential uh, for anything but coronavirus. But guns, you got to get your. Yeah. If you need a gun just, today, you can get it. This just, wasn't thought out very well. It wasn't just, thought out very well. I think that if they ever do, I hope they never do something like this again. But they should open the stores that, and just figure out social distancing. Right. So again, we've talked about this two days ago. Coronavirus compliance is going to be a 10 to $20 billion industry. If that's something you're interested in, I described completely step-by-step how I would do it. If I was getting into that industry, you could build a multi-million dollar business within the next six to 24 months pretty easily. If you're into coronavirus compliance, uh, and I described how to do it in the IG live from two days ago, which we're going to convert into a podcast and put it on the James Altucher show. So watch out for that. Um, uh, Evan, good to see you. Evan, Evan Carmichael, always check out his YouTube channel. I check out his YouTube channel for the 10 lessons from Elon Musk, the 10 lessons from Steve Jobs, the 10 lessons from great entrepreneur, James Altucher. And I always appreciate, and Evan stores these IG lives. I always appreciate it. He's, he's an amazing guy, amazing YouTuber. So, uh, this uh, so Ben, you say the Second Amendment is essential. I agree. Bears have the right to have arms. I I would never prevent a bear from ha- having arms. So I agree. The Second Amendment is absolutely necessary. Uh, let's see. Oh, you know, let's tell a little story. I was telling the story last time how Robin and I met. I promised that I would finish this. Do you mind if I finish this story? Yeah. Let's stop to take a quick break. We'll be right back. So I'll, I'll just summarize the beginning of the story. I told it two days ago. I summarized the beginning. I was a, going through a breakup. Robin writes me out of the blue. We've, we sort of knew each other. I knew, here's what happened. We had met a year and a half earlier and I was attracted to her. And then I I... She wanted one of my books for her son. Now my stepson, John, she wanted one of my books for me to sign for her son. It was Christmas time. It was like several years ago. I said, sure, no problem. And so I delivered it because I don't, <laughs> I don't do home deliveries that often. I know, I thought that was it's so the nice. only time in my life, but I have to admit I was attracted. But, but, but let me just interject this. The reason I found him was because I read his book choose yourself. And I was going through, you know, because I had lost my, my uh, previous husband, um, to colon cancer. And, uh, 
my friend gave me your book to read because we would exchange books. And choose so, yourself. Yeah, choose yourself. And so I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And it really, really helped me so much. And I thought I would just love to meet somebody like this, you know, that, that wrote this. And then um, I joined that meetup, like a tech meetup, because I was trading stocks and everything and, and uh, cryptocurrencies. And they said that you were going to be speaking. I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. I just finished his book. So that's okay. So now. So. When I was 20 years old, the reason I got obsessed and started focusing on writing, I started writing every single day, starting when I was 20 years old, is because I figured if I write something really good, there will one day be a woman that reads the book and likes me because she likes, It's maybe it's hard to get to know me, I thought at the time, but she can get to know me through the book. It worked. It worked. Finally. after. 30 years of writing every single day. The original reason I started writing and became obsessed with writing finally came true. So I met Robin. I'm like, oh, she's attractive. Uh, she said, hey, can you sign a book for my son? I'm like, oh, I don't have a, a book on me, but I will drop one off. And we spent a long time talking. And then I went home. And honestly, I don't know if you noticed, for the next year, I was even seeing someone else. But for the next year, year and a half, I thought about you quite a bit. Like I was, I, we had a good conversation. So then finally you popped up and said, Hey, can we grab a coffee? And so I said, no coffee. I I'm busy, but how about dinner? And then, um, I picked Nobu, which is again, you might not know my favorite date place. I had had a rough day that day because there was an ex who was trying to break into my apartment, this apartment. And I had to get the guards downstairs to keep her barricaded outside and she was texting me a thousand times anyway that's not important i went to meet you and you already there and i'm like oh she's just as attractive as i remember her and then we're having dinner and we're we're talking where we didn't even order yet it was like an hour in she's just talking 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 so boring she's like only talking about stocks yeah because i was I had all my money in cannabis stocks and like it was going to be legal in Canada, right? It was going to be, so I needed some help. Right. Like what should I do? And I could give a shit. And (laughs) so finally I'm like thinking to myself, I need her to change the topic because I know there's other things we could talk about. We've had good conversations before and she's very attractive and I have such low self-esteem that I don't even care if she's so boring, but I do want to talk about something else. And so finally, we start talking about relationships. We had both been going through a breakup and I had two kids. She had three kids. Now together, we have five kids. We started talking a lot about kids. She is passionately interested about parenting and children. I am not. And but I started thinking to myself, I had never gone out with anybody who had kids. And I'd always gone out with people I don't know. I always fooled myself. I'd always gone out with people for the wrong reasons. And here I was a 50 year old or about to be 50. No, I was 50. I was a 50 year old man. And I felt like I was still choosing people as if I was in junior high school. But now I have a chance. I started to think, oh, at first, in the second hour of our conversation, I started thinking, I'm not going out with anybody for another year. I promised myself that I'm going to be like a monk. But I started thinking to myself, when I do start going out with somebody, this is exactly the type of person I want to go out with. Somebody who has similar values to me, someone who I can be honest with. Like, 
with all my exes, I couldn't really be honest about my opinions yeah. or, or I, sometimes I thought they were so hypocritical, but if I called them out on it, they would be angry. It wouldn't be a good discussion. And that's so, so important. So I wanted someone who shared my values, not necessarily my, my political values, but someone I have, you know, just as an example, I'm deviating a little bit. I have a business partner who is his, every political stance he has is different from mine. And he's been my business partner since 1999. We just spent time with them in yeah. Cincinnati where I was doing stand up. We stayed at their house. Mm -hmm. In 21 years, we have not had a single argument, even though we disagree politically about everything, but we're able to talk. We have similar values about sure. communication and talking and being a good person and being a charitable person. And so we've never once in 21 years had an argument. And I would describe that to my ex because we would have all these arguments mm -hmm. and she would say, well, this isn't about money. This is about, you know, us. And I'm like, with this, with my business partner, it's not about money. You can't, if it's just about money, sure. you can't be partner with someone for right. 21 years. And we're making decisions involving, you know, thousands of people sometimes or millions of dollars or, right. or deals. You got to trust them and you got to be able to communicate with them. And that's yourself. Yeah. That's like, yeah. you know, after you and the kids, it's the most important relationship in my life. And, and anyway, so in the second hour of our first date, uh, we still hadn't ordered. We're talking about education, kids, relationships, a lot of stuff about relationships. We're talking about communication. I think I even told you that story about Dan then. And then in the third hour, I was thinking to myself, I want to kiss her before <laughs> this meal is over. And uh, oh, look at that. Robin, you look like a much more beautiful version of Jennifer Lawrence. Look, stop, stop building her up so much. She's prettier. I'm like Rumpelstiltskin or something, no. and she's the princess. Don't tell her no. the difference. <laughs> Jim or JM says, I love to talk. It's true. I love to talk. Robin, you have to interrupt more if you want to talk, but I'll occasionally <laughs> throw it to you. But... In the third hour, we still hadn't even ordered dinner. And I'm starting to think to myself, how am I going to kiss her before this dinner is over? It was like negative 10 degrees outside also. So I had to take that into account. So suddenly I'm in chess mode and I'm strategizing like, okay, we're going to order. I don't want to eat too much because then I'll get bloated and I'll feel ill. And I got to be careful about the drinking. Uh, but maybe I want her to have another drink or two. And... uh and so then I, I was feeling the vibe, but I wasn't sure, like, if I got up in the middle of the dinner and just walked to her side of the table and kissed her, and if she said no, then we got to finish the rest of the dinner together, and that would be awkward, right? That would be, the, that would be awkward. And so it was right after we left the restaurant. It's freezing cold. And I finally said something like, I have an idea. How about I kiss you? Yeah. And... Uh, I was surprised. How could you not pick up that I was interested? I don't know. I mean, I was just having so much fun. And like, it was like hanging out with my best friends. I, and oh, you had I me in had the been, friend zone right away? No, but I mean, I, it, it, I was by myself in New York. I've never been so alone in my life. Are you okay? <laughs> I have a drinking problem. <laughs> but anyway... You know, I we moved to New York, the kids and I, and I didn't know anybody. 
And so there's tons of people, but I didn't know anybody. And then, and then I got to spend three hours with you. That was so fun for me because I would just spend time with my kids. And so anyway, I was, and I was, I ranked a little bit above hanging out with your kids. No, a lot. I loved it so much. And then, but when you did say, I guess I was like, wow. Yeah. So wait, did you, but wait, did you pause for a second? I can't remember. No, I did not. Because it was really cold outside. I, I was really cold. Yeah, I was cold. Yeah, yeah, you were it, really cold. Did you did you think, huh? That's a no, little too quick no, for the first date. No, because it, then it, I just I was like, wow, yes. So you didn't think during the dinner at all. You didn't think, hmm. I hope he walks over and kisses me because up. Did you think to yourself, I'm not going to make the first move, but I kind of hope he no, does. Did you I think? I wasn't thinking anything. I was just enjoying the moment. All right, was, yeah. I'll go along with that. And so then I, I said, I have this idea. I would like to kiss you. What was the very first thought? Were you like? I was like, wow, yes. All right. All right. I'll go along with that. But here, this is the problem. It was too cold. It really was <laughs> negative 10 degrees. Like it was. if you had any saliva at all, it would turn into ice. And so then you suggested, how about we sit down on a bench? We were right across the yeah. street from Central Park. Right. But the bench wasn't warm. It wasn't like there was a <laughs> I know, heater right. on the bench. <laughs> so we did go to my apartment, this apartment. We kissed. Yeah, that was... I was sort of like, mm, should I do that? But, but I, I, was, I said I would be a gentleman, and I was. Yeah, you yeah, we were. Mm -hmm. There was a huge painting of my ex on the wall. <laughs> yeah. A huge painting. It was, like, huge. You didn't seem to mind that. We were kissing right in front of that. I didn't deliver that to her for, like, a few more days. And... <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. Uh, and that's how we started. And then yeah. I went to London and France with, um, with my uh, my youngest. And uh, so it gave us a week to think about yes. things. And then a few weeks later, we got married. So Well, not weeks, months. Two months to yeah. the day. Okay, so that's, yeah. Yeah, so it was like October 30th was our first date in 2018. And then December 31st, the That's last right. day of 2018, we we went that we woke up early. All five kids, by the way, were staying here. Yeah. They had just met each other. All five kids were here. <laughs> we woke up earlier than them. We woke up at 5 a.m. We snuck out of the house. You dressed in a wedding dress and I dressed I in a dress, suit. It was a regular dress. It was a regular white dress that <laughs> seemed like a wedding dress. I dressed in a suit. Lisa was there. Lisa did your hair, and then Lisa came down to the courthouse. Uh, we went to the courthouse. There was some famous, like, CNN anchor or something that was online also. There was a huge line already, but we got there yeah. first. So we it wasn't there already. We, we were there, like, first or second. But then there was by the time the place opened at 8 a.m., it was a huge line. Yeah. I think it was 8 a.m. My friend, my, my friend from China was here. Your friend was there. Yeah. Dina, who, who's yeah. taken photographs at all my weddings, was there. And... <laughs> Uh, uh, and just a uh, handful of us, and we got married. Yeah. And then I had to bring not one but two divorce certificates so that I could prove that every other time I promised to love and to keep forever it were lies, <laughs> so that I would be able to legally be allowed to say it again with you. And um, the judge didn't speak English, right? Like the judge was Asian. Oh, she spoke Chinese, and um, um, the judge was from the Hubei province of China. And she, in in kind of lilting, you know, uh, stilted uh, English, she married yeah. us, I yeah. think. We, I didn't yeah. understand her. And then we came home. 
and all five kids were sitting right outside there and they were like looking at us and they like, and they were like where were you guys and they were, and we said we just went out for breakfast and then they believed us right they all believed us nobody thought we were married mine didn't really my kids totally believed us <laughs> my kids are idiots that's why sorry if my kids are out here uh you're not really idiots but sometimes and and we only told we only told everybody a few months later on April Fools. Yeah. And then people thought we were lying, but we were married. Yeah. Uh, so okay. Yeah. So that's our story. That is the story. And we figured, you know, after two months at our age, it's like we are who we are, and you know, I don't know. We just felt like at our age, why not? I just wanted to lock that. I just wanted to lock this <laughs> down. Like. As soon as she learned who the, who the real me, she was going to leave. So I figured, let's just get married. Courthouse. No, nah, we don't need to plan anything. It's cheap. Lock that down. And year and a half later, I am just as attractive, not more attractive. Doing this during this quarantine with you has been a real eye opener. Pleasure. Um, I gave them a look though. Uh, uh, let's see more questions. Best place to learn copywriting. The best place to learn copywriting, uh, Jay, uh, who's logged on here. Jay, you should give the link to the IG Live where I gave a little mini copywriting course. And I'll put that onto the James Altucher Show podcast as well. But I would, tr tr you know, if you go to, um, there's a website, I think it's AWAI, America something. That's They've got a pretty good course. But I wouldn't spend too much money on a copywriting course. There's a lot of free resources on the web for copywriting. And I've kind of written a bunch of blog posts about what I know about copywriting, which is sick. I don't like to copyright. I don't like it because it's, it's that kind of salesy ad language. But if you're going to, if I was 22 years old now and I'm thinking, what, how can I make money and live all over the world at the same time? I would absolutely learn the skill of copywriting. And I'll just really quickly summarize what it is. So copywriting is not like writing. It's, it's someone wants to sell something and they need, and they create a course or a newsletter and now they want to sell it. They, they don't, they go to a copywriter who writes the ad. And so you'll see on Facebook, uh, how to learn how to be, uh, how to learn how to lose 60 pounds. And then you'll click on that ad and you'll go to a really long letter. Like it's 40 pages long. And that's a copywritten letter. And by the time you reach the end of that letter, you've learned about the course and you're ready to buy. But the letter is structured to take into account various cognitive biases that copywriters learn. So the reason why it's a really long letter is that the brain is something called commitment bias. So the brain thinks, oh, I invested all this time into reading for a 40 page letter. My brain thinks that I'm not stupid. So I did this for a reason. So I should buy. So that's part of the whole uh, co copywriting things. You learn all these cognitive biases. And so you have to learn the four U's Ur and you put all these things in a copywritten letter, urgency, um, uniqueness. Uh, 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 I forgot. I forgot the other U's. Um, <laughs> urgency, uh, unique. Anyone know the four yeah, U's? Yeah. Hmm? They usually know. Let's see. I'm going to, I'm going to Google it though. Altucher and the four U's. I think I've even written about the six <laughs> U's I added to the four U's. Uh, let's see. Um, 
Um, let's see. Nope. Mm-hmm. Ah, the four U's. Oh, here it is right here. Somebody. Um, let me see. No. Okay. Urgent, unique, useful, and ultra specific. So let's say you're writing about, so a friend of mine made a course, uh, or a newsletter. What would Jesus eat? And it was, uh, uh, it was basically a Mediterranean diet. So a Mediterranean diet, because Jesus lived right on the Mediterranean, a Mediterranean diet has been shown by many people, but particularly uh, Dan Buettner, who wrote The Blue Zones, that people who eat a Mediterranean diet are much less likely to have Alzheimer's. They're much more likely to live to the age of 100 or longer and have high quality of life right up until they die. So, so if you eat like how Jesus eats, then you'll have a, probably a pretty good diet. And then he, he would intersperse inspirational quotes from the Bible, stories about Jesus, and so on. So it was an interesting newsletter, and it worked because the Mediterranean diet works. But if you're writing a copywritten letter about this, uh, it's got to be urgent. So you've got to act now, or I'm only selling 50 of these, so act now, um, or else you miss your chance. Unique. No one has ever, you, you, in the copy, you have to say, no one has ever studied the diet of Jesus before. Here's, uh, it's like every, it's not like keto. It's not like paleo. It's not like vegan. It's not this. It's not that. Here's why it's unique. Useful. You show all these scientific studies and testimonials, uh, about why this diet, the, the diet of Jesus works. The Mediterranean diet works. Ultra specific. You get really specific about, you know, you'll lose, you know, Janet S. from Cincinnati lost 63 pounds in 18 days from this. So you get very specific about the examples. And then, um, so that's the four use, but I had two more use. Let me see if I could just find them for a second. Um, I can't find it. So I'll find it for tomorrow, the six use. I think I wrote about it in my book, The Choose Yourself Guide to Wealth. So I'll switch to another question. Um, what... What are the top five or three books that I wrote? Uh, choose Yourself, Reinvent Yourself, and the Choose Yourself Stories. And But really my favorite by far, and I'm not just saying this to sell it because it's not for sale, um, it's not even coming out for another year, is I wrote a, I just finished a book and uh, sent it to the editor, and it's coming out next March, called Skip the Line. And it's about how if you can change passions at any point in your life and quickly jump, you can quickly skip the line and become in the top 1% in the world for monetizing this passion. Um, what, what have you learned from me? What have I learned from Robin? Why are you putting me on the, That's the a good question? Why are you putting me on the spot like that? Uh, by the way, Lane, uh, reinvent yourself is one of my favorites as well. That's why I listed as one of my three favorites. I was just reading reinvent yourself. I was just rereading it right before this podcast. That's where I got the example about Casey Neistat, Kurt Vonnegut, uh, and so on. There's so many, I'll just explain one thing I've learned from, uh, one thing I've learned today from rereading my own book, reinvent yourself. I had forgotten that. And this is a very important lesson for me that Isaac Asimov wrote. Did you know he wrote 467 books? Uh, he was so prolific and I only read, I remember his, some of his science fiction stories. I remember his book, uh, the foundation trilogy, but I don't really remember any other books. And the whole point is 
is that being prolific, quantity is more important than quality. I hate to say it, but it's true. That's why I write 10 ideas a day. Quantity of ideas over the course of a year will help me come up with a good one good idea, two good ideas. Barbara Cortland was a novelist in England. She wrote something like 700 novels by the time she died. She died in her 90s. And there was a, she had 160 novels in her attic that she hadn't even yet published. So being prolific is an, and quantity in general. The more you do something, the better you get at it and the more likely it is. Sometimes people say, I just published my book. How should I market it? Well, write your second book. And uh, one, one of my friends, Hugh Howey, wrote the science fiction series Wool. Wool was like his 20th book. And, but then once Wool came out, and it sold a million copies. Everyone read his earlier books. No one had read any of his earlier books. So I've given a couple of 30-day book challenges here. Do those book challenges. Write a book in 30 days. And uh, then you can write the second one and the third one and the fourth one. And then you get better and better. The only way to get good at something is to do it. So you, you, you can't, you can read to get better at something, but nothing beats, n nothing beats actually doing something. So write a book, write your second book, write your third book. Eventually one will be a bestseller, I guarantee it, and then people will read all of your books.